Welcome to Give Him Hell, Brigham. Jeff, we have an episode of episodes tonight. Firstly, there have been a lot of news today. We had had people tagged us. They said they were excited for the show tonight. I have been excited for the show tonight. But we have made an amazing discovery. And that discovery is that there are people who cheer for the University of Utah, not just outside of Salt Lake and Davis counties, but outside the United States in general. We have all the way across the pond in London. How do we know this? Well, we don't have confirmation. We don't have a picture of anybody in a Utah shirt. We don't have anybody who has publicly uh, stated their affinity for Utah, but we have a headline. And let me read the headline, and then let me read the first two paragraphs of this article for you today. And you tell me if this isn't confirmation that we have Utah fans across the pond in London. The headline, serial pooper banned from defecating, urinating in open spaces after, quote, numerous convictions in British town. The article begins, she broke the number two rule over and over again. A British serial pooper has been officially banned from defecating and urinating in any open space in her town after more than two decades of criminal behavior, police said. This lady has been shitting wherever she wants for two decades, and I have so many questions about that. There is no way that she is not the the West Concourse pooper from like three years ago or whenever Oh, that she's got to be. It's the only explanation. Dude, so many questions about this. One, after 20 years – okay, well, actually, let me back it up. My first question, okay, they, they have now banned her from pooping in public. Was she not – like, is that not just something that is banned as a rule? Like, right. it, it's are kind other of like, people allowed to poop in public? And this lady's just, like, reached some sort of poop quota? And it's like, no way. <laughs> You've shit too much. It's like You the, are it, not allowed. Is it like, oh, you're allowed to kill three people, but murder is suddenly illegal on the fourth one? That's, like, basically yeah. the same logic. Very strange. Next question. Um, if it is against the rules – isn't it kind of on the police at this point? Like, this is kind of like one of those things that if I allow my children to stay up until 10 o'clock every night for a year, I can't suddenly bring down hellfire for them being up past eight o'clock after a year of letting it go. So for 20 years, she's just kind of been like, yeah, okay, maybe don't poop, but like, you know, it's a kind of okay. It feels like I don't know. It feels like this is on the cops at this point, right? Yeah. Like, how do you let this go on for two decades? If you don't care, you don't care. Yeah. That's the only, I, I, I don't get that. And then finally, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't understand what she did that was wrong. There are other, I'm reading through the article now. There are some other drugs. You don't understand what she did that was wrong. Well, I don't, I don't understand why now. Like, there's nothing that I'm reading in this article. So she's had some drug charges. She's had some other things, but there is nothing that it appears to be any different uh, about this latest poop compared like to the other. What was different years. this time? What finally yeah, like, pushed it over the edge? It's the same thing. I don't get it. And she's got to be a Utah fan, and I say that with love and respect. I know that there are many Utah fans who don't poop in public. And we love you. And there are some who maybe do poop in public, and you guys are also great. 
But this lady's got to be a Utah fan. Look, I, I don't know a ton about math, but I know that where there is one person pooping in public, there is a Utah fan. I cannot dispute that. That's the only thing I know. That is a, that is a one-to-one relationship. Yeah, um, it is. It's irrefutable evidence. Every time there is somebody who poops in public, there is also a Utah fan present. You know, I, I can't dispute that until it has proven otherwise. I think we can go with that. And Garrett, I, it, I have a surprise article for you that I didn't put in the agenda. Okay. Because, I hope this is better than the Snoop Dogg one. <laughs> well, the Snoop Dogg one's pretty funny, but the Snoop Dogg one just needs to be mentioned in passing. Snoop Dogg was live streaming on Twitch, like playing Madden. He had six full streams. These are not like little blips. This is like for a week where he was on mute, like complete silence as he's streaming full Madden games to thousands of people watching. And what his, happens his, when you are too high to realize that you hit the mute button and no one yeah, can hit and his viewers couldn't tell him because it was all muted. Uh, that's hilarious. No, this is, I, I've been waiting. I, I've been waiting to tell you this for like three days. I have been intentionally oh not sharing it anywhere. I did not put it on the agenda because, uh, dude, I, I can just read the headlines and I want to get a real-time reaction. So okay. the headline, this comes out of California. The headline from the sheriff's office, sheriff's office, pigeon racing dispute results in shooting and stabbing with swords. That's oh. the headline. That's Where, the headline. Here we go. You, this is in California Robbins, with... California. And I think Robbins is like kind of by Fresno. So it's like, you know, Eastern California. No, no. Well, for, okay. Let's pull it. Let's talk about this for a minute here. Uh, okay. Fresno is smack dab in the middle of California. So it is not Eastern. And Robbins is halfway between, uh, well, halfway in the little west. It's between uh, Sacramento and Yuba City, where our dear friend St. Cam lives up there in Yuba. So, but Robbins is up north, and it's a small oh, okay. town. So it's There's the north. The population in 2010 of the 2010 census in Robbins, California, was 323. So this is not a oh, random wow. encounter. No, that well, adds to this. Like these people have known a- each other. It gets better. Okay, so <laughs> these these people are out pigeon racing. There's a large crowd gathered for the local pigeon race. Four cars show up. People with guns and swords get out and start shooting and just stabbing people. Three people are hurt. One is in critical condition in this attack, which I, I have some probably insensitive questions. One, uh, four cars full of people with guns and swords into a large crowd they must have been shooting muskets because how are not more than three people injured in this attack there were more cars who pulled up to attack people than there were people who were hurt that feels weird to me but that's insensitive and beside the point they could not arrest anybody cops could not find anybody one of the men is in critical condition um and the other people were like shot in the foot. One was stabbed in the thigh. Both are, are fine. Attackers drove off. They couldn't find them. This is not the first drive-by attack at a pigeon race. This is Dude. the second drive-by attack with swords and guns in conjunction with the pigeon races. There was are, another one. 
Have we confirmed We're, that this is not filming Fast and Furious 10? <laughs> we have not confirmed. There was one last week, two people were actually arrested and they were charged with like attempted murder and a couple of other things. Arrested for doing the same thing at a pigeon race. A pigeon, I didn't know that was the thing. Like I've heard of cockfighting, you know, Michael Vick got his dog on, like we all know those, but pigeon races. And what the hell is happening with these pigeon races that are causing people to stab others with swords? And where are they getting these swords? What kind of swords are these? Are they swords? Because clearly they're not accurate shots. Are these like bayonets on the end of a musket? And that's their sword. And they're like shooting and stabbing at the same time. I, I am flabbergasted by this story. Uh, I'm trying to like picture this in my mind. And it's like, I can only picture this as being something that's out of a movie, like spoofing, like a comedy. Like this is a, like, Oh yeah, this is low budget is, YouTube film stuff. It's either low budget YouTube film or like Borat witnesses a gang fight. That's like <laughs> yeah, how I'm thinking. That could be it too. My, my favorite part of the article is in italics at the end. It says this story is still developing. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's because nobody's been arrested, but in my head it's because they know there's more pigeon races and more stabbings and swords that are going to come. This is number two in a week. And, and they are so committed to these pigeon races that even after people were arrested for attempted murder for ambushing a pigeon race one week ago, they hopped right back on the bandwagon and were racing pigeons again this week. I have got to get to a pigeon race in, in Robbins, California. If you live near anywhere between Sacramento and – well, actually, I can't, I can't even – I don't even feel comfortable telling – well, no, you might die. People to Be go, careful. yeah. It's like I don't, I don't want the people to go because, right? But it's, I want to see. I, if you are running the pigeon races in Robbins, California, please stream it for us, right? Like yes. I, you know, I just want to see what what's going on here. I want to witness a pigeon race, but that is, I'm glad you, I'm glad you didn't send that to me. That is, I, I'm still, I'm just flabbergasted trying to picture oh, yeah. this whole thing of like, how did they miss? But then there's the swords, but then after it happened once, no one, like the other people were not coming to the pigeon races strapped if they knew they'd been shot up before. Like, did someone like murk someone else's pigeon? Did like someone's pig, did they catch their pigeon fornicating with an enemy's pigeon and were mad about it, that their pet pigeons were getting freaky? Like, there are so many questions and I have no answers. None, not a single answer. I mean, even down to the pigeon race itself, like, I guess in my head, I'm assuming that these pigeon races are like pigeons running, but these have got to be pigeons flying. I'm looking it up on YouTube. Holy, there's like YouTube channels of pigeon racing and it's these pigeons. Oh my gosh. This is, there's like trucks. These are hundreds of pigeons and they just let them go and they fly around in, I guess there's a track. I don't know. This is bananas. There is more research. We have a ton of content, a ton of stuff to get to. So we can't waste too much time as I learned in real time about the pigeons. But believe you me, folks, there will be more on pigeon races at Give Them Hell, Break Them. And this is a perfect segue to talking about where we could and in the future maybe providing more of these type of Mm -hmm. things. So we hinted earlier this year, kind of we're going to backtrack. We thought, okay, the podcast is great. You know, we have the writing on 24-7, which is almost exclusively done by Jeff at this point. 
And uh, I need to be better at helping Jeff with that massive burden. But 24-7, you know, they kind of, they want us to stay in our lane a little bit. And as you, the listener of this podcast, you know, there's no lanes on our road. There's not even barriers. Like we don't have a divider going between us and traffic going the other way. Like this is free for all Autobahn here Mm -hmm. on Give Them Hell, Bring Them. And so we thought, oh, well, maybe the magazine could be a fun thing to do. And so we looked at the magazine. We kind of, we secured some sponsors. We had to have the hard decision telling the sponsors it wasn't going to happen because as we got into the magazine, we discovered that there were, it's actually is very hard to do a magazine in terms of layout. Like you have to, you can't just really write to write. Like you have to write with an exact word count in mind to make it fit in your layout. And it's a lot of things that's not what we're good at our, okay? not our style not and our style at all like we just need to go to go so um you know we a former i spoke with a former guest that we had on the show matt brown um and he has you know since kind of in the, the middle of covid leaving sb nation he uh, has started his own little gig uh, extra points and i know a lot of our listeners are extra point subscribers matt is a great dude and he provides very good content and and i'm sure he will have very busy uh, next couple of weeks with the news that broke today, but he covers the sports of college athletics in terms of like talk. He talks a lot about NIL, but he's, you no, know, he gets into like the nitty gritty of things that are factors. Cause he's talking to ADs and conference commissioners of NAIA leaks. Like that's how far he's getting down, but he has a newsletter. So we hinted at this a couple of weeks ago that we're working on things. And on August 1st, we will be rolling out, give him hell, bring him the newsletter. And so if you are listening to this, Please reach out to us with back of what what of our content you would like, and so we're there will be um, similar to Matt Brown's model. We will have uh, there will, you could be a free subscriber and get one or two a week, and then and then there will also be paid subscribers who will get three or four weeks. So a couple of the newsletters every week will be you know it's just going to be an article. It's not going to be like a full on newspaper. It's just going to be an article, um, and kind of our working theory right now of what we're going to look at is. You know, we will have some in-depth things going, and then we will have like a Friday roundup. And so it in our Friday roundup, we'll talk, have our crazy articles of the week. We may go in deep dive and say, hey, this was the crazy article last week. We're going in way deep into this and figure out what we can find. It'll have what we're eating over the weekend. It's going to have what we're listening to over the weekend. It's going to have the slate of games that we think are the best ones to watch over the weekend. So if the newsletter, the email newsletter is making a comeback, and we just, we want a place where we can create um where we can write and kind of put i guess fingers to keyboards because we don't go pen to paper of the wild ass hairy ideas that we get on the show in a consistent format that is enjoyable for you to consume and we're also gonna we're working on some other things so you know there will be subscribers will get discounts on the given helbergham store we will have a discord server set up so subscribers are able to um, will be automatically invited to a subscriber only thing we are going for the paid subscribers we will have a monthly zoom call like a webinar zoom call where you can get on and do a Q&A with us we will have subscriber only podcast episodes um, and so for those of our very dedicated fans there is a link in every podcast uh, episode that we do to support us on anchor and a handful of people have done that and so for those who are the very dedicated we want to make ourselves more available because you are supporting us financially as we kind of truck along doing this and this labor of love. And so we want to show you that we appreciate you by giving you more than what we give to everybody else. So uh, Give Them Hell Brigham is expanding our brand. 
Um, we, I've got a test site up and running. I was up late last night working on it. Jeff and I are getting used to the new platform that I'm setting it up on. And by that, I mean, Jeff, cause I already set it up. So I figured it out, but he is, he's got to figure out the technical things and it's, I'm really excited about it. And if anything, it gives us a place to document the weird conspiracy theories and send them all to you. I mean, the first question that we're going to be asked as people hear this, this does not slow down the 24 seven train 20 sort of 24 seven is still going to be a recruiting home. It's going to be, it, it, it's, it's structure is going to stay largely the same. Right. It doesn't interfere with that really at all. This is more of an expansion of the podcast. It is yes. the podcast in word form. Yep. And so there's going to be a lot more randomness to it. You know, we might talk about how Jeff Bezos went to space in a rocket that looks an awful lot like a penis. Uh, we might have a whole article about that on uh, on the newsletter, and maybe that's not your your cup of tea of something you feel like you need to subscribe to, and that's okay. But for some people, if you're looking for a break from life, and BYU sports, like that's a great break from life. But also, you just need a break, like you get from the podcast, of just something a little lighter, not so heavy, not focused on all the bad COVID news, all the you know everything crappy that's going on in the world. Just something to give yourself a break. We're we're bringing more of that to you, and that's what this is. Now, having said that, what we want to know is. On the show, we're pretty balanced. It's almost 50-50. Some weeks there's more, you know, random stuff and other weeks there's more BYU stuff. But we're pretty balanced as a if you take the all 60, however many episodes we have, we're pretty much 50-50 of, of stuff and BYU. And I think that's probably the right kind of mix that we're that we're going for. But we want to hear from you. I can make assumptions all day long about what people want to hear. But tell us, what do you want to read? What is it that keeps you coming back each week for this show? Is it the, is it the nature of how we do things? Is it the, the, is it the lighthearted stuff? Is it the BYU content where we dig deep into some of these different things? What is it that keeps you coming back? And what is it that you want to see more of going forward? And we'll deliver because you're right, Garrett. This is something that we want to do to, to, to show Hey, that we care that there is more value that we can provide than what we're already bringing. But also, I mean, look, ideally, you and I don't have to do this for the rest of, or don't have to work at a real job for the rest of our lives. We could do something like this. Now, we have a long, 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 long ways to go before we get there. But we got to take baby steps or we're never going to get there. And that's, yep. that's what this is. It's a baby step. And Kind of piggybacking on that, our idea of kind of that mix is that's obviously what we're going for. And part of it is, you know, so we are very friendly, like we know pretty much everybody that there is in the BYU media circles, right? Like we, you, like, for instance, you and I, we have a group text where you and I talk literally every day to Robbie McCombs, the managing editor of Vanquish the Foe over at Fansided and Mitch Harper, the BYU beat writer for KSL. Everybody in it, but when in, obviously we have what we got at 24 seven. But when you are with a traditional news organization like that, they want the page views, email newsletters don't care about page views, right? Like it's, and they want the page views, they want the SEO stuff and all that jazz, but it's, so they have to, it's like, anytime anything happens, you have to put like the breaking, you're like, this person commits or like, oh, this, whatever. And it's, we're not going to do that. This is going to be like, everything will be very in depth 
that will be lighthearted. We will have in-depth things. We will work on getting like in-depth interviews with former players and we will have the recruiting stuff will stay over 24 seven because honestly, most BYU fans don't really care about the recruiting, right? Like it's, they care about once you get on campus. And so we will, you know, we will be doing things with players. We will, we've discussed and um, we're already in conversations with Ohana X, um, you know, who is helping and on core marketing. So like in terms of NAL stuff with the current players, we'll have former players on, we will do like video analysis. So a lot, basically it opens us up to you, everything way outside of the scope of what 24 seven says, this is what we need you to write about. And it's hard to get outside the scope of that because there's so much content on 24 seven that it just gets buried. And we don't want, like, we don't want to compete with the other things that are writing the quick blurb article. That's kind of the same thing everywhere else. Like we need to be, we want to make something different and we think we are onto something and we're excited for it. So look out for that um, next week, end of next week that will launch and we will um, get that going. But we, oh, speaking of former players, as we speaking uh, of speaking of getting paid, my word. Yes, Fred Frederica Warner, forty point five million dollars guaranteed, five years, ninety five million dollars. So that is uh, nineteen and a quarter million dollars a year, nineteen and a half million dollars a year, whatever. The or actually, I guess that's exactly nineteen million dollars a year. I can't math; it's late. Um, he, yeah, Fred. He went from being by far the best player on the worst BYU team in a very long, 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 long time to he made himself some money and he is one of the top five linebackers in the NFL. Uh, I think he's up there. I think he's number one. Now, I do have a very important question. Where does Fred, we know that Fred ranks number one in terms of linebackers who have been paid in the NFL, but where does Fred rank in terms of best Fred's? Right, like Mm. most successful Freds, because it's Fred is a name that we've all known forever, but there's not very many Freds. Like there's just not. So where does Fred Warner fit? Like there's Fred Couples, there is uh, Fred Rogers. I mean, he's probably the goat of Freds. Mister Rogers is is a big deal. Uh, But then you're getting into like that next tier of like Fred Savage, Fred Van Fleet, Fred Willard. Uh, the old uh, Phil Dunphy's dad on Modern Family. So there's some good Freds, but I think that Fred is not only making his way up the pay scale. I think that Fred might have a legitimate argument to make as one of the most successful, like top five, certainly top 10, most successful Freds of, out, uh, of everybody. If we're going on of all Fred, the Freds. Yes. If we go on Frederico, 100% it is him. There's no better Frederico's. I think his, his name first name is Frederico. No, yeah, because he, he's Panamanian. He's half Panamanian. I'm pretty sure he's going to show you. But I was going to say Fred, Frederico Anthony Warner. Holy crap, it is. But how did I not know this? How did other, he sign with BYU in like 2013? And I had no idea that his name was Federico. Uh, because you have Greg Rubel muted on Twitter. Uh, actually, I unfollowed him. I just look, I mean, with, with all due respect to our women's soccer players, I just don't care. And so I unfollowed him. I just Uh, don't care. I hope they win every national championship ever, but I just don't care. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Fred Bolitnikoff may be up there. 
in terms of famous friends, but it's gotta okay, be like yeah. Mr. Rogers, like I don't know, people named Fred. Famous yeah, people. Yeah, I mean like uh, he's he's up there. I had no idea. My mind is blown right now at uh Federico. Not I mean it's a great name. Fred Warner, Federico Anthony Warner. Phenomenal name, but I had no idea. And I'm disappointed in myself for not knowing that his real name was Federico. Yeah, I'm looking at this list of famous people named Fred to try to think of some, and it's all people like, oh yeah, I forgot that they were a person. Yeah, like Fred right. Trump, like Don's dad. Like, okay. Yeah, or we get I Fred think... Van Vliet. Like, okay, what Fred Savage? Like, no one cares about that happy year, wonder years that much. Not anymore. Or... I think yeah. he's up there, man. And if he can live up to this contract, he's he he legitimately is Fred Warner. If he's not the best, he's top three linebackers in the NFL right now. If he can live up to this contract, I mean, this is a massive contract for a linebacker in the NFL. If he can live up to this contract, uh, he will go down as he's not touching Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers is in his own stratosphere, but he will go down as the second best Fred. There's probably some like scientist named Fred that we don't know about. That like he invented the car and we're gonna be like, oh yeah okay gotta give that friend a lot of credit. But I mean like like Jack Black's Jack Black's brother invented the GPS and his mom yeah like, was there's like, gonna be something weird like that. His it, mom but, but, uh, did the math in the hospital to get the Apollo mission home when she went into labor with Jack Black and then sent it back to NASA. Isn't that mind blowing? It's I still uh, can't wrap my head. I, around I can't wrap my head around it either. But I mean in terms of like Fred that people know. Fred Warner's going to be up there. And I think he's engaged now, right? To yes. that one chick that was on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor or one of them. Yep. So, yeah, Sydney Hightower. So, all things considered, Fred Warner living his best life. Um, but we look, Fred Warner, I feel bad because the contract got signed today or announced today. It should be like one of the focal points of the show. But then the Houston Chronicle blew up the world and they, said that Texas and Oklahoma are flirting heavily. Like if they are if they are a couple of youths who are dating, you know, members of the opposite sex or same sex, I guess, whatever, just youths dating. Um, they are they are having to really try hard to avoid heavy petting like like to keep their morals they are trying hard like that's how hot and heavy things are right now between texas and oklahoma and the sec the so it was interesting though because as it started stuff that got leaked people were like oh this is weird and then people were like oh well the sec it says that texas and oklahoma had approached the sec about possibly joining that was the initial report everyone's like oh haha. yeah they asked sec is not going to say yes to that and then you see the oklahoma state athletic director releases a statement and that's like we are concerned about the reports today like we have not done this we are committed to the big 12 which means they know they're getting left behind and yeah, then that was like both a, oh, the oklahoma, then the both the oklahoma and texas athletic departments released statements that said something to the effect of we will not comment on spurious rumors that are from anonymous sources, which means we're not denying it. And so we're not talking about it. And as soon as you don't, if you don't deny it, you know, what's happening. 
right? Like, and so, but then right before the show, because I put in our show notes, Texas and OU, it's done. And you were like, no. But then uh, later, uh, you know, I, from Pete Thamel, who he's, you know, a national writer for Yahoo. He's not a nobody. He has legit sources, right? He said, spoke to a few sources, more sources about OU, Texas to SEC. Few things. They are tied tightly together. AM's very public objections are the strongest, but getting 11 of the 14 votes doesn't appear to be an issue. Things could move quickly more soon here because Brian Fisher from The Athletic reported on the initial thing from the Houston Chronicle, and he said that thing, an announcement could come within weeks on this. So that's I, what a weird, weird time to be alive. And this, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm totally shocked on this. So let me, um, so Brett McMurphy said, Texas and OU contacted the SEC saying they were interested about leaving the Big 12 and the SEC has interest in both schools. This will take some time, but there are interests on both sides. UT is planning to notify the Big 12. It doesn't want to extend the current grant of rights. Um, uh, which that shouldn't be surprising to anybody. I mean, that, that goes along with what we've been saying forever is that uh, even though, even though Texas has kind of sucked like relative to Texas standards recently, they're still freaking Texas. Like they still right. carry that conference. Oklahoma might be the best team in that conference, but they Texas are, is still Texas. Oklahoma is by far the best team in that conference and it's not close. But and Texas is, uh, yeah, it, it, but Texas is Texas. Like that's what draws the eyeballs. That's what people pay for. Uh, Texas is huge. Look at BYU's wins over Texas. Those were two crappy Texas teams and they still live in like BYU football lore. And they will that, forever because well, and beating that taste, Texas is that huge. Taysom hurdle lives like if you go on Reddit CFB, anytime someone talks about Taysom, Taysom or Texas, like Texas fans are there, like it, it lives on. Like that was a it monumental does. win. And so Texas is, is massive. Um, so it shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, they've been subsidizing the Big 12. Like there's, there's no reason that uh, Kansas State should be cashing a check anywhere remotely close to the size of check that they cash every year because right. that money is coming from Texas. You take so, away Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12 conference, man. And we've talked about that even, I mean, like they're the garbage. Right. We've talked about that on the show before of like, if Texas and Oklahoma go independent, then suddenly BYU's current position being an independent is instantly legitimized. And if they go independent, yeah. then USC and Oregon would follow right behind them likely. And so this is where, and I said this right before the show of, um, you know, cause even back, okay. Rewind today, back when 2010, the when the PAC 16 was looking as a possibility and the big 12 was a mess. Uh, within the athletic department of BYU, there was very clear understanding, like if the PAC 16 goes through, Texas is going, or the big 12 is going to look at TC, like they're going to look at TCU, Utah, BYU, Houston, and then maybe like Cincinnati, you know, and kind of pick off a couple of big East teams, maybe try to get the Arizona teams to flip back, which the Arizona teams wouldn't have done that. But that was the thing is TCU, BYU, and Utah is like, okay, yeah, they're, the PAC 16 is happening. The three of us are going to go to the big 12. That was the understanding that fell apart in like a day. And then Colorado signed, and then the Pac-12 offered Utah, whatever. That's history. But now, the interesting thing to me is everything, this whole thing to me depends on USC, assuming Texas and Oklahoma is done. 
It, it, happen, it depends on what USC decides to do watching this happen. And if USC says, you know what, screw it. Texas is right. Oklahoma is right. Why are we subsidizing Oregon State when they're tired of subsidizing Iowa State? This is crap. We don't want to do it. Us and Oregon, we're a big enough brand. Hell, they could go, and especially with the 12-team playoff, like, we don't need to be a conference champion. We're freaking USC. If, we're, if we win, we're going to be well, right and, and I think we're going to get in, in we're going to get in 12. And, you know, same, which is basically what Notre Dame said as soon as they announced. And, like, and Notre, Notre Dame, yeah. And Notre Dame saying what they said of, hey, we don't care about the auto bid for the top five conference or six. It doesn't matter. We'll it, play. We'll get in at 12. That doesn't matter. It really there, doesn't matter. That, that statement, there's – there's no understating how big that is. That right. statement from Notre Dame, from Jack Swarbrick saying, hey, we understand that there's a slight disadvantage of being independent in this new structure, but the benefits of being independent, we're fine. We're not even going to try to say, hey, no, if we're a certain record, we should get the auto bid. We're totally fine not getting it. We just want to keep our independent status. That is one of the loudest, it should be one of the loudest comments that was made as everybody started to unpack this new era of the college football playoff, because for Notre Dame to say that Notre Dame that has fought for their own rights, right. Forever. That has been, and they were an AQ under the BCS. They got an auto bid under whatever they, they have always been part of the halves. And now there's still a half. There's still Notre effing Dame, but this is the first little element of, they don't have what other people have. They don't well, have the same access that Ohio State does. And they said, yeah, cool. We're good with it. Well, and That's I think it's huge. because if you sit back and look at it, and we talked about this with uh, and a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the AC, the AAC and where they kind of fit in on it. It's like, if you're Notre Dame, okay, so say Notre Dame joins the ACC, okay? If you go become the ACC champion, you may have a freak year like, you know, where it's like an eight and four team knocks and pulls off an upset in the conference championship game. But if you go win the ACC, you're going to be ranked in the top 12. And if you run the tape in, you probably only have one, maybe two losses. If you're Notre Dame and go 10 and two, you're probably going to be ranked number 10. Well, you go and, 11 and, and what, like you're going to end up there. Any, like the auto bid is really honestly meaningless, like, because it's there for the off chance when it's like oh somehow Pitt pulled off an upset and beat Clemson in the title game and there's a seven and five team sitting on the table like well that lucks into it but the action but 99 out of 100 times if you're good enough to win the championship in one of those leagues you're good enough to you're going to end up in the top 12 anyway well think about this right like and I think that this is maybe why because okay the SEC and Texas, Oklahoma news, that's what's catching the headlines. But there was another one by The Athletic. I can't remember which writer it was at The Athletic, but that, hey, Texas has explored independence. Texas has explored a lot of different So is USC. And, and the, why would you play under the current structure? Why are you even playing a conference championship game? What is the motivator for playing that conference championship game? If you are, let's say, say LSU, right? You're LSU. LSU is a bad example. Let's say you're Georgia. Okay. You're Georgia. You get into the SEC title game and you're 10 and two, right? You lost to 
uh, Alabama during the season and maybe you lost to like Florida or you dropped another game or whatever, but you're still ranked like 11th in the country and you are going into championship weekend, but you have to face Alabama again. If you're that Georgia team, why the hell do you want to play in the conference championship game? Right. You don't like, cause you're going to lose. You're going to now be 10 and three. You're going to get knocked down to number 14 and you're going to miss the playoff altogether. That, that scenario happens every year, right? Like it, it happens every year. Very rarely is a conference champions, a conference championship set up between, you know, Wisconsin, who's 12 and oh, and Ohio state who's 11 and one. That doesn't right. happen very often. It's happened, but it doesn't happen very often. Most of the time, that conference championship game is against one of the top five teams in the country and somebody who's a mid-teen, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12 type team. And, and so what I find interesting with this is Texas and OU, maybe they're looking at this and saying, okay, there's no point. After fighting and fighting for clearance to play a conference championship game with only 10 teams in the conference, Maybe they're looking at what Notre Dame said. And said, yeah, we don't care about a conference championship game. Just get us in the top 12. There is not enough of a benefit to being in the top six to make it worth it. Just get me yep. into the top 12. And, and honestly, there is something to be said for being number seven or being one of the at-large teams because then you're hosting that first round game on right. campus. And so that's, you know, yeah. and so that's something that's come up is like, okay, well, and so where Notre Dame was like, yeah, if we like, you know, like you said, okay, it's Notre Dame. If you run the table, Notre Dame goes 12 and 0 against their schedules. They're good enough. They would have run the table in the ACC and they play in the conference championship. Same thing that basically what happened last year. Right. And then, mm-hmm. or if they're 10 and two, they're in that position where you said with Georgia, but if they have to play another game in the conference championship and they lose, they're going to get knocked out or they can sit pat at number 10. They maybe get bumped down to a number 11. Who cares? They're 10 and two. They're in the playoff because they're Notre Dame. There are very, very few schools that this applies to. And USC and Oregon are in that tier of schools. So if if USC decides same thing and says, Hey, I'm, we're trying to doing this. Like, we'll put our basketball in the WCC. We don't care. Or they can put basketball as independents. I mean, there used to be more independent basketball teams too in the eighties. And they say, you know what? We're good enough. We can get in the NCAA tourney. Like as an at-large bid, when was the last time they won a Pac-12 tournament? whatever they don't care it's like we'll get into the tourney anyway because of our brand we'll be independent get a little scheduling agreement with some smaller you know have a front heavy schedule whatever we'll work it all out because football is the money maker we don't care in the rest of the sports you don't care and so say hey we'll go independent and then if that happens somehow within the timeline of you know say texas and oklahoma announce that they're moving in 2025 after the grant of rights ends and so now that gives a runway or what are usc and oregon going to do stuff's going to have to get figured out if you have seen Oregon announce that they're going, what do Washington and UCLA do? And what do then if you're those schools, then you're the big 12, because the big 12 is trying to piece this back together, right? You can look and say, okay, let's go to 14. We'll add BYU, UCF, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, and either Navy or Boise. Okay. With combine that with Baylor, TCU, Texas tech, West Virginia, whose West Virginia is probably jockeying to try to get into the ACC and get the ACC to go to 16 as well. Um, the two Kansas schools in Iowa state. That's a pretty good league. That that on paper, that would be the best league that BYU has ever been in. And relative, that would be the fifth, fifth best league because you took the top half, you took BYU in the top half of the American and put it together with the leftovers of the Big 12. Like you have a good league, and that's a good, that's a pretty fun basketball league too, as well. Like, no problems there if that happens. But if you are the Big 12 and USC and Oregon dip, 
now you're looking at saying, well, okay, uh, do we try to go westward? And maybe we try to get BYU, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State, and then grab Houston and Cincinnati as well. And that's our new league, because that would probably, like, instead of UCF and Memphis and Boise, do we try to keep some more regional rivalries in, in that really, and we solidify in the mountain time zone? Because if you're looking at Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, and Utah in the mountain time zone, that without USC and Oregon as part of the equation in the conference, like you are dominating the West Coast, right? Because USC and Oregon, they're not going to be playing night games. They're going to want, they're going to want to do their prime time. They're going to have their own thing every single week with their own TV deal, and whatever other slot you want. If you're the Big Twelve, you would get because your games would be the third game behind that every single week without a doubt. And so, or at that point, I mean, if it's maybe this whole SEC thing doesn't work in Texas and Oklahoma say, well, we're just going to go independent too then because we can be like Notre Dame. Like there are so many things on the table here. And I think it really hinges on what USC does because that will affect what the big 12's next step is, which that Bullsby has totally messed up that conference. And it will also like what Texas I think it's apparent that even if they don't go to the, the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma won out. Whatever is there is not currently working. Maybe they'll try to follow Nebraska and call it the Big Ten if the SEC says no. Well, and that's the biggest takeaway here is that Texas and Oklahoma want out. Whether it's the SEC, whether wherever they end up, they don't want to be where they are. Like the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma is the Pac-12 without USC and Oregon. It's Got a couple of teams that can be that can play, but they don't have any great names, right? Like nobody. So it's the American, basically. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's probably more competitive. Now, not competitive is the wrong word, but it's probably has a higher ceiling uh, than the American. But it's like nobody's nobody's rushing to their TV sets to get home from family activities uh, on a Saturday afternoon so that they can watch the Baylor TCU game. Like even when those teams are good. That's not happening. It's one of those yeah. games that's like, oh, it, it's on. I'll watch it. But it's not like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure that I get and watch Alabama play Auburn. It, it is nowhere near that tier. Right. You're not planning your Saturday around it. USC, you're still planning. Even as USC, as pedestrian as they, as they have been over the last decade, you're still, when USC's on, you're watching USC. Right. When Oregon is on, you're watching Oregon. So I, I, I get it. I, I agree with you that USC is huge. I don't think USC has one iota like influence on what Texas is going to do. Oh, no, no, Texas no. no. I'm, is, I'm not saying what Texas do. I'm saying USC is the influence on what the Big 12 does to react. Yeah. Assuming no, Texas I, and Oklahoma. I, That's I what agree. I'm saying. Yeah, um, and I agree with that. I just don't know. I don't know what the, what the move is at that point. Like the big – at that point to me – the big 12 is the power fives mountain West, right? Like it's, even if you keep Boise state, even if you keep Baylor and TCU, you can add the best of the best that are there to add. Like you can bring in Utah state. Now, obviously like the tiers are different, right? But like Utah state was one of the better programs out West that wasn't in the pac 12 or the mountain West. Like, and at the time that they were added, Utah state was looking good but it didn't matter. Like there's still Utah state. And, and to me, looking at the big 12, like I agree, like what you said, you know, if, if they add the top half of the ACC and it, you end up with like Baylor, TCU, Texas tech, Kansas schools, Iowa state, BYU, Houston, Memphis, Cincy, UCF, that's a competitive league. Like that's that there's a lot of good football in that league, 
but that's not a league that's going to move the needle at all. And so I, I just don't know. It really would be the Big East 2.0, right? Because after the ACC went to the Big East and pulled Virginia Tech, Miami, Boston College, um, yeah, and I don't remember who else went in that first round. And then that's when the Big, the big East went turned around and pulled from Conference USA, and that's when they invited uh, U. That's when they invited USF, Cincinnati, Louisville, right? Yep, um, and a couple other schools. And it was like, I mean, Cincy fans they thought they had the ticket, right? Like it was like, oh, we went from Conference USA, like we're in the Big East. Freaking Cincinnati, they had back to back, like they went to back to back sugar. Yeah, they games. were. They were an right. overtime. They were a reviewed clock away from playing Alabama in a national championship game as a member of the Big East. And then Louisville, who's 30 minutes away or whatever, got the invite and they did it. Right. And so it's, there's, now, uh, what, it, it'll what be I, interesting because I, I think th- that new big 12 would basically be that big East, right? Like the big brands got taken out of the big East. They backfilled it with some conference USA teams. And now you're looking at that same batch of teams to backfill this big 12 with no real brand. So it's like, and there's no real cohesion there. So really, as soon as someone else came knocking, this league would fall apart the same way the big East did. But right, I agree. who else is going to come knocking now? Because everything's kind of filled. Well, that's true. That's true. Nobody else is knocking. The only the other thing, looking at these teams, uh, you're right. It, it's a pretty dope basketball league. And maybe that's what they do is they go all in on basketball like the Big East was originated with, right? I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting. And at that point, does Nebraska consider coming back to the Big 12 because now mm. they'd be the top dog in the Big 12 and they've already talked about how they don't really fit? Does Colorado, do they realize that they can't play in California all the time and recruit Texas and expect to win games? They've got to be able to play in Texas and recruit Texas. Do they come back? Do the Arizona schools, like, do they? I mean, so there's options, uh, but it would take a forward thinker. And Bob Bowlesby's just not a forward thinker. With Bob Bowlesby not being a forward thinker, is there a chance that kind of all of these things happened? Because I guess if if those schools back, like if you look at those schools and say, oh, come make the big 14. Okay, that's great. You have, you know, you're under the banner of the big 12, but it's like deep down, everybody knows, right? Everyone knows it was Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, I forgot right. Texas. I forgot Oklahoma State on that list. That would also. So, I mean, but if you kind of yeah, took the better helps, of those. But... So say if you had Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma State, BYU, USF or UCF, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, then you go out and like maybe you get Boise as a football only member. Maybe like Navy, maybe you look, maybe you get Nebraska to come back. Maybe you bring Colorado back. Maybe you look at the Arizona schools and you make a new league like that now that is intriguing and that is something that and it's more and so it's you basically like okay well we cut the kansas schools no one wants to go to iowa state lubbock sucks texas tech can go join the mountain west and west virginia like does west virginia say hey Pitt, we missed the backyard brawl which was probably the most underrated rivalry in college football and it's the biggest casualty of the last realignment with Pitt going to the acc and west virginia going to the big 12 it's like hey let's call it the big 10 and like, let's see if we can, you know, get, try to wiggle our way into the big 10 and get them to go from 14 to 16. If the SEC is I at just, 16, let's go to I, like, I, and can you that, imagine, can you imagine West Virginia in the big 10, like the academic elites and then West Virginia? I know. I mean, I mean, yes, I get it. And logically what you're saying makes sense. It's true. It would never just, happen because of the big 10 is still pretending that academics matter when it comes to college sports. 
And like we always have said, academics are not as good as athletics. We all know that. I don't know, man. There's a lot of scenarios here, but I won't believe any single rumor until I hear it from a West Virginia blogger. Nobody, I have not seen the dude or MH Veer in, in a long time. Where the hell is, is Shogunai and Teacup Piggies and the Yoda, whatever his name was. Piggies. He is some, I can't remember what his name was, but he, he's always, I think it was Teacup Piggies. I got to find this guy, but he claimed to be an insider. Uh, all he does is penny stocks. Yeah, Teacup Piggies. He does penny stocks. And Big 12 information was what he was doing. It was very strange. Okay. Um, where's T-Dog Coog, right? Like, where are these guys who told us what was going to happen? Because without them, I don't know what to believe. Where's the dude of West Virginia? This is, looked, this is in his backyard, he, I, I looked. I looked at his profile today, and he has deleted all of his tweets. And he is like, he's nuked his account. It's still there. But there's no content there. Um, well, that, this that's is probably wise. Jason Whiteley, who is a uh, reporter for the ABC affiliate in Dallas, said early next week, the Texas Longhorns and University of Oklahoma will send a letter to the Big 12 Conference stating that neither school will renew their media contracts when they expire in 2025. So this is, I mean, on it, we're ahead of the game here. I just want to point this out. So 20 minutes ago, when we were recording this, Earlier in this conversation, uh, can you, we said, can you timestamp this? It is 918 yeah. Mountain Time. So 20 minutes ago, you and I were recording this and we said, you know, there is tw- five years, four years left on their grant of rights. Maybe they don't go to the SEC and they're just putting out feelers, but I think it's clear that they're gone. They're not coming back as soon as they can get out of the contract. If they can go to the SEC, then they're willing to pay the settlement and be down. But I think at this point, if the SEC is like, and eh, now this isn't going to work or a&M gets them to block them. Supposedly, all these SEC fans say that South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky have a like voting block together where they will not, they will all have vowed to not let other schools from their respective states in, mm-hmm. which it's like, okay, Clemson's not knocking. So who in South Carolina is going to come? There's no other, what Georgia Tech is your. Georgia Tech is not going to go back to the SEC. They're permanently in the ACC, right? Like they're not going to go back. So I don't think Georgia has to worry about that. And I guess what Louisville or no one else, there's no one else in Kentucky. So they keep saying that, but I'm like, it doesn't really mean anything. And so I don't think no. that's, a, but it's obviously the A&M athletic director said that they want to be the only SEC school in Texas. So now, I mean, whoa, wait a minute here though, Garrett, what if, AM says no, we hate Texas so much, we're going back to the Big 12. Oh, just like <laughs> that would be funny. That would, that would be that, that would, would be, be incredible. Or okay, what if the SEC doesn't take Texas and OU and Texas and OU say, Hey, let's just form an all-new conference? We'll call it the Longhorn Conference because it's what it will have to be called. But they call all of the really good programs who haven't been in. It's Texas, it's OU, and all of the disgruntled programs. So they Texas OU. They get Nebraska back. They get Nebraska back. They call the Arizona schools. They get BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, UCF, and USF. That's the what is that like? Ten teams, twelve teams. That's a pretty damn good conference that would be made together, like put together completely on the fly, and it would be better than the existing Big Twelve and AAC. 
and I think the thing with that is like, I, I mean, obviously these schools have been together for a long time, especially all well, the big eight schools. I mean, people are like, oh, these, they've been together for so long. It's like the Southwest Conference was around forever and push come to shove when a better option came along. Texas kicked TCU, SMU, Rice, Houston, and the rest of the Southwest They're Conference like, to the out. curb. Yeah. Right? And they said, okay, see ya. And, but the big eight has been together forever. So if Oklahoma is willing to bounce on Oklahoma State, and everything is on the table, right? And so and I think if you look at it, I mean, really, it could be wild at just every, anything that happens and you could see a new league and maybe it's, I mean, maybe Texas fans are just like, well, traveling to Manhattan, Kansas and Lawrence, Kansas and Ames, Iowa kind of sucks and we don't want to do that, right? Like it's, it's the locations of the rest of the league or what they don't want to deal with. And they which I did see one Iowa state fan say like, this sucks. Like we're getting screwed. We finally have a good team. Like we have a 60,000 seat stadium and we're full of fans. I'm like, okay, you're not that special, right? Like it's, there's lots of other schools. And the fact that you're like, we have a 60,000 seat stadium. That's your justification for why you deserve to be in the big 12 is laughable. But yeah, it's, stupid. you know, if you look at, you know, it's like, maybe they say like, Hey, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, maybe they're like, well, we're fine being the big dogs and maybe we will make a new league like that, but we don't want to, divvy up the pie equally we want proportional revenue sharing based on what our brands are and what does that figure out or like yeah or maybe it says we're going to make a new conference and we'll sign for like we do have a conference championship game we'll sign a thing with espn for that but then we're going to have each of these teams are going to negotiate their own thing with espn and we're going to have a schedule well, dude yeah to funnel into well, that why, like there's going to be some creativity and it's not going to be why you did it once like BYU did that once that they were just so sick of the whack and so sick of what was going on that they were like, F it, let's just try something different. And they created the Mountain West out of thin air. I mean, like, yeah. why can't I mean, Texas do the teams, same thing? I mean, all those teams were already in the whack together. Sure, but, sure. But why can't Texas do the exact same thing? Right. Like, take Texas. Like, you say, okay, we're Lubbock. We don't want to go to Lubbock. We don't want to go to Manhattan. We don't want to hey, go to Lubbock. I, I don't want to cut you off, but Lubbock, we don't want to go to Lubbock. Lubbock does suck. Do you remember that that was the title of like our first or second episode of Give Yeah, Lubbock Remember. sucks. Yeah, we made a yeah, Lubbock, Lubbock suck sucks. Lubbock and it still sucks. It's, yes, so, and, and it's 923 it p.m. more and, now that Matt Wells is there. Yeah, it's 923 p.m. and OU still sucks. So there's a shout out to our Texas fans. Um, the, <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, like maybe they say, okay, Texas. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, there's like, we want to keep that rivalry. We say, let's look at TCU's in Dallas. Waco's not far from Dallas. Bay, Baylor's there. Okay, there you're at five teams right there. And then you say, okay, well, let's go try to get BYU in Utah. Let's get the Arizona schools and, you know, and try to go. And maybe they're like, well, you're not going to proportionally do things. And we're happy with whatever, you know, this is. And it's, I think, you know, they're like, we want to be in control and they know they'll be in control and they give better destinations for their fans to go to. And they don't, they aren't subsidizing. I think the biggest thing is they're tired of subsidizing. So if the new league comes on board and teams are like, eh, we're okay. We'll figure out our own deals. And you don't need to subsidize us. Texas and Oklahoma may go for that. Yeah. It's going to be bananas. Um, and, and this, this is all stuff that wasn't even on our agenda like five hours ago. Like by the this, time this feels like this feels like this time a year ago when when BYU's schedule was blown to shreds 
and we you know like every t- every week that we got on it was like there was new rumors of who BYU was going to play and then every new episode of Give Him Hell Brigham we were just wrong the week before because yep. everything changed that quickly that kind of feels like what's going to happen here like we just threw out a whole bunch of stuff we know nothing nobody knows anything all these journalists like I, I, they have sources, they're credible people. They're also the ones that said it was a done deal when it was uh, Houston or when it was whoever, right? Like all these journalists have been wrong before. So nobody really knows anything yet. We all think we know, and there's a hell of a lot of smoke, but, but nobody really knows anything yet. We make it on in a week and it might be totally wrong. But one thing I do know is that this was not on the agenda at all five hours ago and i'm so glad that it's back and if you title this episode when you post it garrett anything to do with conference expansion i would be willing to bet and with a couple of tweets that are like little teasers i would bet that we would make this the most listened to episode because nothing sells like conference expansion it is college football porn right like this is for whatever reason fans of every school it's not just byu it's every school we slurped this up yeah um dave uh what's his last name Sorensen. says his last name a uh, mean uncle dave uh uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's uh, looking forward to the three-hour conference realignment mega cast tomorrow so i think that's i think we're going to call this one the conference realignment mega cast and there wow. probably will be a part two and a part three and by the time 2025 rolls around who knows what the hell we're going to be doing with this but I think we have run its course with the hypothesizing and there's, I'm sure there's going to be so much crap coming out over the next week. And we will, there's going to be, uh, we're going to be digging the tried and trues. We're going to try to get the uh, phone lines going and see, figure out every last tidbit that we can uh, to try I, to see what's going I'm on. Gonna, I'm going to just preface this. I'm really not going to dig that hard because I dug last time. I dug a lot. Our tried and trues, like this is above any 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 source that I have that's going to be able to tell us roster information. They're not going to know a damn thing about conference realignment. Coaches knew nothing the last time this was all going on. They were just as intently watching their Twitter feeds when it was supposedly happening as everybody else. So I say that not because it's like a shooting down our own sources or anything like that. It's uh, be very careful what you believe. Because I'm telling you, the most connected people to the football program at BYU or at Texas or at wherever else, they aren't going to know. They're just not. I would be willing to bet that Steve Sarkeesian has not really any idea. He may get the he may be CC'd on an email after a decision is made, but he is not a part of the decision making process whatsoever. He's not. He's just not going to be. Lincoln Riley is just doing what his higher ups tell him to do. He has no idea. So when it comes to this, you can be the most connected BYU person in the world, the most connected 24-7 person on the entire network. When it comes to this, you most of these journalists aren't spending hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks cultivating sources at the athletic department and university level. They're just not because that isn't what draws clicks every other weekend out of the year, except for when we talk about conference realignment. So anybody who claims to have these great sources or somebody tied into the athletic department, uh, 
look, you should have learned by now to take that with a grain of salt based on just what's happened over the last 10 years. But I'm telling you now, most people don't know. Most people at BYU have no idea. You could, you could talk to Tom Homo himself and, and he'll be the one who would have answers, but he has no clue what's going to happen with Texas and OU. And therefore he has no idea what BYU's options are. So anybody in the next week or two or month or whatever, that's going to claim that they know anything, they don't know anything. Nobody knows anything right now. So a cautionary tale to those of us who just are starving for expansion talk. Don't believe anybody because nobody really knows. Yep. And with and that, let's talk about the transfer portal. This, this is from uh, this is from listener Devin Kimball who sent us a DM and said, hey, uh, can you talk about this? He said, I haven't looked back at through it since the transfer portal. This is the third year that it's been around. Uh, where have guys gone, right? Like it's well, obviously BYU has done well in the transfer. We got Tyson Williams in the transfer portal. We got Puka Nakua. We got Samson Nakua, right? We've brought in, um, you know, um, we've got Caleb Hayes. Like we got Jacob Robinson. We've we've brought in some good talent from the transfer portal and some schools are going very, very heavy. Like I think, oh shoot, I was listening to the cover three, um, which is CBS Sports's uh, college football podcast. And I think they're saying that Florida State they're looking at eight or nine starters this year that they brought in from the portal. And so it's it's, right there. Like Utah has a ton. And so is it going to work or is it going to blow up your locker room and destroy, like blow up in your face and it's, or are you committing to the portal? And once you become the portal school, you always have to be the portal school. that's That's an interesting question now, right? Like, the okay so there's the portal when teams have been going a little bit deeper and deeper into the deep end of the transfer portal every year and a team but we'll talk about utah because they're on BYU's schedule team like utah has been dabbling in the portal a little bit more every year and now this year they're all in right like more than they ever have been uh, which i i think is a fine strategy it makes total sense to me and i love it i i would do it personally but whittingham kyle whittingham has always been a coach that it's his culture. It's the culture of the University of Utah that makes them great, and it is great. But this year, there's not a reason to doubt him. Like he has, you know, two decades of proven success at Utah that he, no matter who comes in or out of the program, he could create a culture. But there are two elements this year that he's never had to deal with before that could, it could not be a factor at all, or it could blow everything up. And that is the transfer portal. It changes a little bit every year. And then NIL, like there are kids are making money now. And I don't know how much money anybody at the University of Utah is or is not making, but Bryce Young is, is closing in on a million dollars at Alabama, according to what Nick Saban said. I'm that sure is an DJ, element. DJU is going to be right behind him in Clemson. Uh, right. And, and that is an element of managing a college football locker room that Whittingham's never had to deal with. Like what, what if Charlie Brewer, you know, like, uh, I think he's the best example. He's a highly touted transfer. Uh, he's got a lot of hype about him. The coaches have been hyping him up all spring long. What if he starts signing a few endorsement deals and he starts bringing in a few hundred thousand dollars and now he's got some money. He maybe thinks he's going to go pro and that changes the dynamic. If he sucks, he can't just be pulled, right? Like that would impact his endorsement deals. Like that changes the tone of a locker room. It's why some coaches, it's why Nick Saban, it's not why, like it's one of a number of reasons why, but Nick Saban's the best college football coach who's ever lived, but he was pretty crappy at Miami in the NFL. 
right? Like Urban Meyer, we'll see. Like we will see what he is at the NFL, but there's just a different element once money starts being thrown into the mix. And so adding in guys who are not that, they, they aren't the guys who bought into the program as teenagers and have been bought into the program forever. These are transfer guys who were somewhere else, most of them at a bigger school that are coming to your, you know, they're, they're accustomed to things going a certain way. Now they're coming to your program and you've got guys who are bringing in money. Those are things that no college football coach has ever had to deal with. It will be really interesting to see how those traditional culture teams are able to balance this new era of college football. Yeah, it definitely is going to change things. How much it changes will be interesting. Um, I know we said we we're going to talk about conference realignment, but I was just flipping through our CSI board and someone brought up, it was like, does this spur, does everybody go to 16? And maybe we're not thinking, and we did, you did also, you quote tweeted this and uh, George Klyovka of the new PAC 12 commissioner was like, this is a really interesting uh, first month on the job, right? So does the PAC 12 try to be aggressive? And if Texas and OU go out, does the PAC 12 try to be aggressive and go get TCU and Baylor? And do they try to expand to solidify themselves? And, and then does like, you know, does the big 10 or the ACC take West Virginia and basically does everyone else raid the big 12, the way the big East got raided last time? Mm-hmm. Does this spur everything? So not, we know we're not going to go into that, but just one more thought of this is going to change everything. And it will be very interesting to watch for now, I guess, apparently the next four years. Um, back to the portal. Uh, BYU has been very fortunate with the portal. Like it has been good to us, but even the guys that leave, we don't, we're not losing any superstars, right? Like we haven't had anybody grad transfer because of like, I have, there have been no Jordan Leslie's right. Where he was yeah. great at UTEP and was like, I need a bigger stage. I'm going to go to Provo to, so I can sh- yeah. put on a show, right? Like it's no one leaves BYU like that. And everyone that does leave like Saleti Fivaleaki, right? Like you're kind of bummed. You're like, Oh, he kind of showed some promise, but at the same time, you're like, well, who's going to be a starter. We're not like, he was going to flirt with the two deep. He wasn't going to get a ton of reps. Like we'd like to have him because he's a known quantity, but at the same time, you're not losing sleep that he's gone. And so yeah, we, I went back through and I pulled everybody that has ever entered the portal. Some of these names, we're going to run through them. I'll give you the name. You can tell us to think, but some of them, they. Now these are, I, to clarify, these are portal guys. So this is, this is post Francis Bernard, right? I mean, this is since the, since the inception of the transfer portal itself. Yes. And so I guess there's a couple that you may, cons- I don't know if you'd consider him a portal guy, like, cause you have a couple guys like uh, Jeremiah Yeremia, where it's like, he came home from his mission and went straight to snow. He never actually like right, came right. back. And so it's like, I don't, those didn't get picked up by 24 seven. So may, if you can keep a couple more examples of them, but none of those, the few guys that have fallen into that category haven't done anything. So Back in right. 2019, Ula Tolutau entered the portal, couldn't get his grades in order, never played anywhere. Stacy Connor transferred after one season. He didn't end up anywhere that I know of. Maybe to D2 school recently, but I have not been able to find him. I don't him. think so. I don't think he's anywhere. Tavita Maunga, he went to AM Kingsville, which uh, we've talked about that. After like weeks. three years of not playing, like he, yes, he went he, nowhere forever. He played in 2018 and then transferred and then was like played in the spring season this year. Uh, right. Jacob Jimenez was a grad transfer, went to San Diego state, was a starter. Good for him. Uh, Isaiah Armstrong. 
he was he and Akili Davis both transferred to Northwestern State, which is a FCS program in Louisiana. And Akili Davis was a starter for them uh, um, and played pretty well. Isaiah Armstrong didn't he didn't end up actually enrolling there. I don't believe Wayne yeah, Kirby. I think he ended up being honored at BYU on, on senior day. That's Isaiah right. Armstrong. Um, Christian Folau came back from his mission. He was another East High guy. He played with uh, Ula Tolu Town High School. Uh, he transferred. He said he was going to Utah, but never actually enrolled. And so he was never on the yeah. roster at Utah. Uh, Wayne never Kirby, hit a roster. Um, Wayne, Wayne Kirby went through. Wayne, Wayne Kirby had real life stuff that hit him hard, and he ended up walking away from the game. Uh, he's doing really well now, from what I hear, which is great. Wish him nothing but the best. He's a friend of the show. Um, but yeah, once once he left, he he was he left football when he left BYU. Yeah, he was. Um, there were a lot of personal things uh, from his childhood, and you can read into that to what you may. And he was in a very not good place, and he is much better now. And we are happy that he is he is much better now. And there's more important things than football. Um, so that finishes out 2019, 2020. Okay. Uh, Skylar Southam went to Utah as a kicker. Doesn't matter. We got Jake Oldroyd major. We upgraded uh, Joe Critchlow. He took a visit to Western Michigan and was trying to get things. And then COVID happened. And now he, I believe he's working for Bain capital now as a consultant. So oh, good for him. So he is probably the one who you like, Oh, you transferred away and you big time to BYU. That's like he's, but it was off the field. Um, Herc Latu, he went into the portal, sat for a year, and then came back as a walk-on because now now he's at, he had transferred again though. Now he's at UCF. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He's at UCF. Um, compl- he's at UCF, and I think he's might even be on scholarship at UCF, which good for him. Okay, he's been hurt so much, but good for um, him. I for, I spaced that one actually. In I don't think twenty four seven actually listed that second transfer. Yeah, um, it's relatively recent, and um, he's a nobody at this point. So. Devin Kafusi, we all know, went to Utah. Um, Austin That's Chambers. probably Devin Kafusi is probably the biggest name that you like. He's had some success at Utah, and and will probably have a bigger year this year. That's probably the only name on this list that you look back and you go, "Darn!" Like he could have been really good. And but that's it. it and, and, and it's compounded the by the fact that he's a that he's a Kafusi. That's it. That's the well, compounded yeah. variable there. It, it it's true. I, I mean, and remember when he left? Like most people were like, "Ah, oh, that's a bummer." And that was about it, right? Like that that's probably the biggest impact player who's left. Yep. Um, Austin Chambers was a defensive lineman. He went to Maine. He started every game for him in the spring season, had a decent year, found a home in FCS school. Good. Uh, Alex Miscala. I know this is your favorite, favorite recruit that BYU has ever had at the linebacker position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really he, try hard not to not to disparage kids and offers that I don't agree with, but good grief, this one never made sense. Um, he is anyway, uh, Paula Mango Fino. He has also yeah. left from did his brother leave as well? The one that did he have a brother? Oh, no, oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Unatoa. Oh, um, yeah, you're thinking Unatoa, who has yeah. also both of them walked away from football. Yeah, so, uh, and then Isaiah Haran entered. He said, We talked about this last year on the show, he said he wanted to go to an HBCU. Um, he wasn't able to find or secure a scholarship. Um, things at the FCS level are weird because you can split scholarships. 
and it doesn't have to be a full ride and late in the game. And then not all HBCUs offer the full 65 that FCS schools are allowed to offer. So money can become hard, hard to come by at an HBCU. And so he ended up coming back. Um, I don't know if we can count Devonte Henry Cole, but DHC was at BYU for a week and a half, was lazy in practice, and transferred to Logan. And what then, a mess that was. Um, yeah, so Latifa Veliaki just entered the portal. Cooch Tapusoa entered the portal, didn't go anywhere, and came back as a walk-on. And Darius McFarland has also not landed anywhere. So you, really, you, you forgot you for, and you forgot Bo Tanner. Bo Tanner that like somehow has <laughs> entered the portal every year ever. And has always just found his way back onto a roster, no matter what happens. Dude, and then he showed up back at friggin' Pro Day this year. He is the, I mean, and I say this with as much respect as I can. He's the cockroach of BYU football's roster. He just can't die. He never goes away. No matter what happens, he's still there every year. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're looking at Devin Kafusi. So, to answer your question, Devin Kimball, um that's it i mean we've byu really has not lost an impact player to a transfer since probably francis bernard and knock on wood right like you hope that it doesn't happen but for all the teams that are losing talented players like you look at tennessee and my gosh you could make up a full two deep almost Uh, of players who have left that program recently bill Connolly, actually he Tweeted about that today. Do, 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 do. Oh, shoot. He's been talking about Oklahoma all dang day. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, most uh, players lost to the transfer portal over the last year. Number one, Tennessee, 37. 20, Kansas, 27. Memphis, 25. Wazoo, Western Kentucky, and TCU, 23. West Virginia, Michigan State, Auburn, 22. And you get a bunch of schools with 21. And then the bottom schools, uh, fewest players, Air Force, Army, Wyoming, two, BYU, Stanford, Toledo, three. And then get into some other stuff. But it's, uh, yeah, we're pretty solid. Like people who want, people come to BYU because they want to be at BYU. Yeah. And so they don't and usually that, leave. There's been a lot of players and it's mostly behind the scenes that we don't ever know about, but there's been a handful of players who have had their scholarships taken away but they love BYU, so they stay as walk-ons. And now some of that is maybe they, they weren't good enough to go somewhere else. And that's certainly an element as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm reading real quickly as you were talking and we were wrapping up the transfer talk, some really bad news. I don't know. Maybe you won't think it's bad news, but Twitter is rolling it out on iOS here soon, testing a Reddit-like downvote button that faves or upvotes and then there's another downvote button on replies on replies to tweets doesn't look like it's there on all tweets it's there on replies to tweets interesting don't love that no i did notice we should give you a shout out that uh speaking of twitter that you're verified now so congratulations yeah thank you there is a uh a section on on twitter so on my mentions now when you go to your notifications, there's all your notifications and there's mentions. Everybody has that. I now have a verified column where only people who are verified, those are the only notifications that I get. So basically, that's my column for Mitch Harper, Robbie McCombs, Ryan McDonald, and the occasional 24-7 journalists who cover somebody else. 
I need to very do, boring, very very to, boring Twitter. I will I will fill out my verification application and uh, get and then that way I can I can also help you beef that up a little bit. We'll make there that a go. column exciting for you. But Jeff, yeah. this has been a great episode. Uh, it, it didn't run quite as long as I expected, and I'm I'm at my in my wife's uncle's house right now, and don't, I left my laptop charger on my desk at the office today, and so I'm I'm running on fumes here, but it, it's held up pretty well. I mean. My uh, I only used thirty five percent of my battery as we've been going here. Um, well, now we now, now we got to download all the sound, so that's where the battery life's going to really be tested. Yes, yes, I I've had no video this time to try to save some juice, but it's it's been a good episode, and I'm really excited. Not just for the I I know I'm really excited just for and you know we talked about this we talked about business and finance a lot on the show just the dominoes and watching all the pieces fall because this is a big big thing and it's happening something is happening like this you this is texas and oklahoma are giving the divorce ultimatum they're not coming back they're not going to therapy with kansas state okay it's done they are separated they're awkwardly living in the same house but they are separated and they and once until things get finalized a lot of people are going to be hooking up with each other behind the scenes and we're going to find out who gets married over the next couple of years. And it's going to be really interesting and I'm excited and, and to watch it. And I'm really excited about this season. I think BYU, I think we're going to have a great team. I'm excited about the schedule and I think we're going to prove some people wrong. And it's just, a, well, it's that a very, is, that's, that's a, a, that's a, a tease. A, it's a tease. And it's, I just say it's a very exciting time to be a BYU fan. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's exciting across the board on the field and off the field. We got friggin' we haven't even talked about Seneca night yet. Friggin' Mark Pope up in here. Like it's basketball, football, realignment. Everything is great to be a BYU fan right now. Whew. And with that, um, just a quick precursor next week is really our fall camp preview because the week after that fall camp will be under that's how close we are. Is it really? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because two weeks, because they're starting on the 5th, right? Oh, yeah. So either we record the night before or we record the day of. Like, there won't be any news to really talk about other than maybe a roster, but it'll be here. It will be football season. Man, what a time. Jeff, it's been great. Cool. And until next week, give them hell. Give them hell.